how important is strength training to your hormones? That's why this conversation is called the fountain of youth. So, and I've had this with so many men and women. When they start bringing strength training into the fold, their hormones start to get more and more in balance. I can't say this enough. And so, and it's not about raising or lowering; it's balancing them out. Correct. Why does that happen? Because now your body is going to work. So, for example, when you start doing strength training, you have to you're putting some type of adaptation to the body, and the body's going to. How do I build and repair? Well, I do it through sleep and obviously better nutrition and all these different things. But strength training causes that that load, that adaptation. And so if I'm looking at a bone, which is live, bones are live, why do I want to take calcium supplements when I'm not putting any load on the, that's the absorption. So that's, here comes the bone. The bone gets better. The muscles get better. My testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, these start to all balance out because now I'm putting more load in there and the body's going to start producing what it needs to produce. And so as we age... One of the greatest things you can do as we age is making sure your testosterone level is higher in balance, right? So the goal is, how do we do that? Well, we do it through sleep and a big part of that strength. So today we're going to talk about strength training and we're going to title this the fountain of youth because it's a practice, a habit, uh, a skill that can really create longevity, um, make us feel younger, even though we don't like to talk about necessarily age that way. But strength training can be the fountain of youth, tons of information going on around the internet. And so we thought we would kind of have a discussion around strength training, what you see, what I see, um, what we all should maybe be thinking about when it comes to strength training. So let's dive in real quick. The catalyst of this conversation was you got approached at a gym recently, and um, explain what they said to you. Well, I had two people in the same day. Hey, can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> sure. Um, well, I've been reading or listening or whatever that it doesn't really make it any difference if I do three sets of 30 reps or 30 reps of w- one set. You know, so... They're really confused about how many reps, sets. Have you ever heard that? Now, yeah. So you've been... So people are How asking, long have you been in the weight room? Well, I got my barbell set when I was 11. <laughs> so, so I'm 60, going to be 66, so... So maybe let's just say like 18, you started going to an actual gym? Well, I really started doing a lot. I started looking at when we were at Luton School, we had the President's Physical Fitness... And I remember coming in in the morning, we would all be doing pull-ups. Okay. So we started doing strength training probably when I was in grade school, and that was in fifth grade. And so then we did push-ups and pull-ups and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that was a form of strength training way back then. And then as you went to through graduate school, but have you well, ever heard well, of anyone well, teaching 30 reps of anything? Yes, yeah, so let's go back. So I was at Sexton, and we played football, and we had, like, one bench press for, like, 50 guys <laughs> and so the, you would come and do your bench presses and then you would do some kind of shoulder press and some barbaric type machine and then you would do you know this over there and then we would sprint and we'd come back and do it all over again it was no who was teaching you that 
our our football coaches that had no clue. So just intensity, work yeah, hard, just, sweat. Yep. And so all we were doing is how much weight we could handle, and we had this bench press. It wasn't even. It was like a. It wasn't even. I mean, it was. I mean, this is. A long is it time the one ago. where it's the close grip where the the. We're doing wide one. It was actually a bar, but the bench itself was like an archaic type, you know, pommel horse. I mean, it was just nuts. So, but again, back to no instruction, how much weight am I pushing? And then when we went the next level, we started going over Denny Hilliard and Ed Marin and, um, you know, Bruce Chapman and a handful of us played football. We went over to Nautilus Olympic Gym, and that was from the beginning of really going in, you know. So we were doing that in the summertime before our senior year, and then I got into college and I had my own barbell set and worked out there, and then I got into So that barbell set, that. before I get into my question, just to set the stage, that barbell set, is it still with you? I still have some of the gold plates. Yeah, they were, they were painted gold. What are the, um, what are, were the, you had the 45s, when did you get that set? Oh, when I, you know, basically when you guys were, um, so 36 years ago. Yeah, so when you guys were born, I ended up buying an Olympic set because before when I was in college, I had just the, the smaller hole. Okay. You know, uh, so this kind of traveled around with you. But back to my question. So as we start this podcast off, we want to set the stage that I'm 36, so I haven't had this much experience other than a decent amount of experience. But you've been in the gym lifting weights for 50-some years. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> in 50-some years, a lot of it was non-instruction, and we're going to get into that. Have you ever heard of someone doing 30 sets of, or 30 reps of anything? Well, again, whether you're doing Tabata or some of the things you're just going to failure, sure. And people would do, you'd do like when you're getting ready for a bodybuilding contest, everybody's doing you know, more reps and to failure and that was kind of a way to get ready for a, a, a contest so but in your 20,000 40,000 one-on-one sessions that you've done have you ever really told someone to do 30 of anything no because again it's back to the beginning of what's the goal what's the impact what's the optimizing you're looking for and number i mean i could i could lift this pen you know 500 times okay so as so we you're, so you're really not getting into training specificity many people think about the more reps i do the more i'm gonna lose weight okay so this this is good so as we start this conversation you got approached by a couple people hey same day no difference if i do 30 so how'd you answer what'd you tell them what questions did you ask First question them? I asked him what's your goal did and they so, know not really no they just heard it and and so when you look around the gym, sometimes it's it's painful because people have no idea what they're it's doing. painful for you. Sure. Knowing all the things mm-hmm. that you've yeah, seen. It's just, I'm not sure what they even. And then when you're starting to train people, you start asking them questions. And so we got to get out of the myths. You know, the, they have a lot of myths. Like, you know, when I was told when I was in, I still remember when mom and I were at, a, you know, I remember they were saying I was at Skytema's and they were doing a, um, you know, pre-marriage party, and they were like, you know, you your muscles are going to turn to fat as you get older, and that was the myth back then. So you have to get through the myths, you know, that's weight training or strength training is boring. You know, you need a lot of weight, you need a lot of time, you need to, you know, it's not my thing. You got to tackle some of those beliefs and myths, and then from there you start opening up the eyes. All right, so let's start with this question. This is a question I have for you. Um, in 50-plus years, 
two-part question. One, what would you never do again that you used to think was essential for strength training? So that would be part one. Part two, what'd you never do that you now think is essential at 65 years old and you would teach it for everyone? So I'll come back. First question is, what do you used to do that you would never teach or never do going forward in the future? Well, a couple things here. Number one, it was all about the weight. Sure. And so I would never, ever think about that anymore. Resistance is one thing, but it's not the thing. Back in the day, it was the thing. How much can I bench? How much can I squat? It was the thing in the gym. Um, number two, if you looked at movements, I would never, ever do a barbell bench press ever again. There's no reason for it. All it does is it puts more stress in my shoulders. And so that's a big statement. Never, never do a barbell bench press again. I would never do a again. barbell bench press again. All right, so let's talk about the um, purists that would say, you know, that's one of the best workouts in the gym. Or in your case, that was the only machine you had in some of these. Well, again, it gets back to what's the intention. So, again, it's going to put a ton of stress because you're looking at horizontal adduction. And so it's going to put a lot of pressure in your your shoulders, which is the most mobile joint in the body. So there's no way you can adduct the bar. So now you're going to have more emphasis in the wrist and the elbows and the shoulders. And the next thing you know, this is my world. Now I'm getting injured. And so I worked with a lot of athletes at a high level. So how long did you bench press until your first injury? Well, I wouldn't say a really injury, but I created an upper cross syndrome with my body. My posture was not good, which led to more less mobility in my shoulders, less mobility in my neck and my back. And I was, I I never felt that great. It wasn't like I was completely injured, Mm -hmm. but then you started having these impingements in your shoulders and all the stuff I like to do, like throw and play. And, you know, now that was hampering, whether it's serving in a tennis or whatever it might be, I started losing that mobility. And then when you start working on, which we never did before, a lot of mobility, flexibility, I was, I was, I was compromised. The other exercise I would never, ever do again would be a barbell squat. You're going after the jugular for a lot of people's strength training. So let's let's back up. Tell the audience, you barbell squatted, you uh, bench pressed with a bar for 30 of those years? Yeah. The, the most 25 ever, of those yeah, years? Yeah, the most I've ever bench pressed before. Again, back to the number. Yeah, it's the number. But I've done, I've done 365 before. That's a lot of weight for my size, right? But my elbows were killing me. My shoulders were killing me. My neck was bothering me. I mean, the list goes on. Your range of motion probably pretty oh, good. Oh, it's just you know, it nothing, right? <laughs> but your goal at that time was to get as big as Back you possibly to, could. It, again, you know, 1985 was my first bodybuilding contest. I got up to 232 pounds. I was a strong dude, but I was pretty, pretty fat. So, and today my natural body weight's 175 pounds, but... Am I as big as I used to be? Absolutely not. But the point of it is, is I started looking at what are people doing, whatever. And the same thing goes with squatting. I mean, shit, we could squat, you know, 10 reps of 405. Wow. And so, and again, back to the day, we bench press and it might take us an hour. (laughs) And we might squat, it might take us an hour. We put the wraps on, we put the whole deal, the belt on and. But you learn over time. Be getting we like Tab always says is getting underneath the bar. You gotta you ha, you can't. I remember when Dan Benner and I went to grad school. They were like, you know, strength training is, has nothing to do with cardiovascular fitness. I'm like, you squat 25, you know, 225 pounds, and you sure. squat that, you're gonna get a lot of anaerobic training. So there's a lot of benefits out there, a lot of myths out there. But again, so I've so so the, my philosophy. So with the um, bench press with the bar. 
there's many different variations to do a similar type of a movement to work the pec, right? So you can do a dumbbell, which will have, um, you know, a little bit more fluidity in, in your shoulder joint. Yeah, back to uh, the range of motion, back to balance. You have a lot more balance involved. What about physique? So you've done a lot of physique, and that's, I think, with social media, physique is a big interest for people one of the observations I have is there's a lot of people strength training at a younger age than I remember at that age from an observation. A lot of it has to do with look. So you see a lot of movements focusing on, you know, with women, it's going to be your, you know, your butt, your glutes, your, your core. And then with the guys, it's the chest, it's the biceps, it's the legs. So well, again, form follows function. You know, Walt Reynolds and I have talked about that for many, many years, that form follows function. A cheetah will look like a cheetah, right? And so that's one of the benefits of strength training. It definitely can change your physique. I mean, that's why, you know, physique shows are physique shows, but they're strength training. So there's no doubt about it, changes your physique. And that's a big part of what motiv- it's what motivates me still today. I want to make sure that I can snow ski and water ski and, do all the stuff I like to do, play with my grandkids, do whatever. But that's that's one of my de- deals. Is I know that strength training is part of that part of that deal. So before my second part question, this is really good. Uh, a barbell bench press. So as as your son, I've done less than a handful barbell bench pre- or barbell squats in my life. I have a degree in exercise physiology, and I've never. Never had interest in it, never felt good, and I was educated, you know, different ways to work my lower body. So, again, you you throw open uh, the social media or the internet, there's people squatting with a barbell constantly. Again, w- what's the challenge that you see with this movement? Well, again, it's where the, what's going on with the spine. So you don't have the mobility, flexibility that you would have if you loaded differently, like a dumbbell or you know something like that. So the first thing I always look at, what's your limiting factor? And so when I'm assessing somebody, including myself, what's my limiting factor? What's my limiting range of motion? Is it at the ankle? Is it at the hip? Is it at the knee? Is it at the back? Whatever. And then you assess that versus most people are not assessing it at all. They're just going and doing it. And so they, it might even make, and again, I would use myself. I probably... Um, the thing that's hurt me over the years is I don't have a lot of mobility, flexibility, in my L4, L5, lower back area. And so that leads into other hip issues. If you're not paying attention, you can't find that, you know, how you're compromising there. Yeah. And again, I don't want to get too into the weeds here, but before people just jump into a barbell squat, let's look at other ways to load. If that's what your goal is. What are a couple other ways to load? Would be like a dumbbell in the hands, grip the hands. Yep. And look at range of motion, things like that. You can make a squat amazingly challenging by using the wall, getting close to the wall. Do you have that full extension? Mm-hmm. So if you have that full extension where you're you're squatting and your body's getting close to that wall, then okay, now. So what that looks like is you're standing nose to the wall, nose to the wall, <clears throat> and, and you're and trying your to squat are... without your head hitting the wall, and you find you'll either yeah, fall so over. Yeah, so you look at a squat for most people, the head comes way forward, and now if you looked at where the line is. Now the body is forward because, again, you can't squat straight down with a bar, right? Or it's going to fall off your back. So you have to have that forward. Now the lumbar area takes all the load. So, again, if I'm a pro football player and you have, you know, you have to do this as part of what your deal is, 
But to me, if even if I'm a strength coach, again, there's so many really good strength coaches out there right now are looking at a lot of mobility, flexibility, and and what's the limiting factor? What was your limiting belief to to say I got I got to do a squat and a bench press or else I'm losing gains? How are you gonna get big? Big. So how am I gonna get bigger? I got to put more load. load in. So again, back to number one goal is always load. And you know, we'd come in the gym, we wrap our knees, put the belt on, and and we would squat and we would rest for five minutes and come back and squat again. So the first takeaway um, in this first part question of what you wouldn't do but you used to do um, is there's three R's to strength training. Resistance is one, and it used to be the only one that you cared about. And this is pretty much the one that we see over and over again. But there's range, range of motion, and with your physique, you didn't have the biggest range, and so some of these movements were probably – you're probably better at them than other movements. So you kept doing them. And then the fourth one is rate. And this is the thing when I work my legs, if I slow it down, you know, do a little hold isometric, maybe some variations, my legs will adapt. They will create this, um, this growth that I think we're looking for. Yeah. And again, back to the three R's of strength training again, Walt and I, you know, Walt kind of turned me onto that, 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 that simplicity, but you know, you start with range. Let's look at range first. And then from there, we're going to go to rate. How fast, how slow. Now we're teaching people mm. how to strength train. And the last one is resistance. How are we going to add that load? Many times, if you change the range and you change the rate, you don't have to put a lot of load to it. So now the goal is training specificity, muscle fiber recruitment, muscle under load. What is it that your goal is? And now you're getting those results without having less and less injuries, greater performance. We just got back from skiing in Colorado. I got to tell you, um, I probably haven't skied that good. I don't, rem- I don't remember when. At 65. At 65, yeah. And, Too bad and, they got rid of the uh, 70 and older ski for free. <laughs> You're well, close. I, had, I had the senior cis- <laughs> oh, citizen discount. discount. It gets even greater <clears throat> as I turn 70. But again, I, I started thinking about the training that I was doing. I probably haven't had a lot of load, you know, training – but uh, again, back to back to specificity. Specific, if, if you know, the Super Bowl was, uh, you know, this weekend, and you know, you probably will have to load. But there's different ways to think about it, and there's a lot of people pushing the envelope. Uh, but one of the things that you're seeing, I'm seeing, is the old way to do it is becoming like the new thing to do, and it goes in this circle, right? And what you're trying to say is, I you've been in the circle for 50 years. You know what feels good. You know what works. And at the end of the day, you're just trying to kind of articulate, hey, these are some ways to do it that I think can be better. Not saying that you know all the answers, but a little bit better. And I think the little caveat here, too, is it's fun to challenge yourself. What is possible? And so that's where some of the times the load comes in. You know, it was was fun back in the day. Mm -hmm. I remember one day day I'm at a a powerhouse gym and we're doing 140-pound dumbbell chest presses. Okay, you're walking away going, I just did 140. Well, was my range good? Probably not. Was my rate? No. Was my form good? No. But again, what gets people excited... Yeah, there's a time and place for it. Yeah, it's a time and place for it. Now just take a little bit of that and maybe make sure your form's better and understand a little bit more. But now the goal of this podcast really is helping people to understand how to take some of the stuff they're learning, but really create a lifestyle that they can repeat 
as they age or whatever the goal is. Because I think more and more people, they see this on the internet and they don't, you know, the more I do this, the more I do that. When reality is they don't really know, understand it. We're showing you a little bit behind the curtain. And you've seen firsthand, 20s, 30s, you can sustain these movements that we're talking about, the movements that are the most popular. But many of those people used to train with either are hurt, don't train anymore, or you know they are still doing some of the old things and not, well, not and realizing I, I, what they're missing. I think missing. the other thing, too, is, is people don't realize, again, that's absolutely true, but they don't realize if this bothers me, that maybe there's a better way. <laughs> and so if my technique's not, if I don't understand this and that, we were just doing this again when we were in Colorado, but when you start working on techniques, the thing that used to bother you doesn't bother you. Mm. And now you're excited because now you can create this more synergy in the body that doesn't hurt you. In fact, it enhances what you're my doing. My knees bothered me doing a squat, but here, try this squat. doesn't bother my knees. I can't right? tell you how many people I've worked. I can't squat. I'm like, well, <clears throat> let's take a squat. and We all squat every range. day. Right. Let's do a counterbalance squat. They're like, wow, that feels really good on my back and my knees. Okay. So now this is a form of strength training. But you're always thinking about, I have to load. I'm like, we're, we're actually decreasing the load. <clears throat> For the audience, because I want to come back to that second part question, what did you used to not do? Think, oh my gosh, I'll never do this. That's for other people that you would never stop doing today from a strength training. So the opposite of that question. Well, again, back to the opposite. If Why would I want to do this exercise where I'm not loading? You know, if I can do a ladder raise with dumbbells and I can do 35 pounds, why would I not do that with terrible form and just flip them up here, right? So the load, I had to get out of my way. Like it's not could about, be a resistance band. It's not about the load. It's about I remember doing a strength training for Big Ten strength coaches. This is a hundred years ago. <laughs> and I had bands. I brought bands in because they're mobile. And they're like, how do you measure that? You know, they're all they're all getting in my face. Well every strength coach in the Big Ten is using some form of resistance bands. It's this. It's this resistance today. Today, yeah. But twenty years. Day, twenty years ago, I would say it was close to yeah, probably twenty-five ish more years ago or more. But when I came in, I'm not a strength coach, but they you got to measure it. Mm -hmm. And they were like, hey, you can't measure that. I'm like, well, you know, how, why do you why do you need to measure it? it? Creates mobility, flexibility, balance, strength, everything rolled in. It's hard to measure some of these things, but that's what they want. If I can't measure the bench press or I can't measure the 40-yard... Can't see if we're getting better. Can't see if I'm getting better. When reality is, I don't have less injuries. It's The proof's always in the pudding, as Dr. Phil says. Yeah, and I think we have, uh, you know, we have different opinions. Well, not different opinions. We have certain opinions on Tom Brady and some good and some bad, but he's kind of shown a different way. You know, his whole thing was about flexibility, mobility, creating yeah. um, core strength versus... Now, form and function, he's a quarterback. You know, I, I he's don't, not training like a linebacker, and he shouldn't. And but you're seeing some linebackers train a little different way once they get there, because what you said when you're 18, 20, 30, and you you know it feels good to push some weight around the the weight room, but when you get 35, 40, it's all it's really about feeling good. Well, and a lot of athletes, as you know, I mean, they start getting away from it, but they don't really understand how to train. And then they just abandon ship. And yeah, when they're in their sport for however long, mm -hmm. and then it ends, it's like, well, I can't keep that going. And but I think you're what well, you're exactly right. I think you're seeing a lot more 
you know, training specificity progressions with some of these um, elite athletes, whether it's in the NBA or golf or, you know, uh, in the Super Bowl. I mean, you're seeing these linemen that can move. They have mobility, flexibility. It's not an accident. They're training differently. But 30 years ago, some of those linemen were stiff, big, strong, but they couldn't move. And so it's a total package, and that's what strength training is. So the Fountain of Youth strength training, let's get into a couple of these things. You mentioned it earlier about strength training isn't cardiovascular. You know, it, it doesn't help the heart. What can strength training do for the heart, especially as we're in February talking about Heart Health Month? Well, again, as, as you know, like I've trained clients, I'll tell them this. I said, okay, as you get more fit in fitness, I look at everything. We're going to speed it up a little bit. We're not going to let you recover as fast. And as you get better recovery, you get better fitness. So when you take somebody in the first time and they do, let's just say, some body weight squats and some step-ups or push-ups or rows or whatever, they're going to need a lot of rest between these sets to recover. Well, as they get more fit, you take away the, the time. muscle gets better, cardiovascular system gets better. And again, when we think of energy systems, it's not as aerobic and anaerobic. It's, it's a lot in between. And so that's really where strength training can come in. It really can create all over fitness, also muscles, better, bigger engine, more mobility, flexibility, all that stuff, including cardiovascular health and fitness. So, you know, a lot of people that love cardio, just do cardio, don't strength training. What, what's the, why would you tell that person, the runner, the cyclist, that they need to add some strength training to balance it out? What are they missing? What are some of the benefits that they would get? But again, they're going to build a bigger engine. And number two, they're creating more power. And so when you're trying to run faster, bike faster, whatever it is, and again, for the average person, what they do is they spend a lot of mindless time doing cardio, when in reality, they need to spend more time doing mobility, flexibility, and strength. And so to me, I always get back to what do you truly want? Now, there's a lot of benefits we know by movement what it does for the mind but strength training can be part of that when you get people to learn how to strength train they have to focus yeah you can't fit, phone it in you can't phone it in mm-hmm. so if i'm talking about the nervous system i'll ask them when i first start with people do you feel this in your middle of your back uh-uh i feel it in my traps well they don't understand how to connect the brain to the the the, the muscle which is the nervous system so a big part of training initially is what are you feeling, where your body is in space. And so that's really where strength training comes in because when people do cardio, they don't really have to, they don't think about this. Their minds, but when you're just strength training, you got to focus on technique, whatever. And so I mean, not everybody wants to do it at the beginning, but once they start doing it, then they steal the power of strength training. And again, specificity, if you're a runner or a cyclist, you don't have to do a ton of load, but if you can kind of do some corrective things, some posture things, some alignment stuff, that's going to make, and the power. I mean, the power is going to come yeah, too. Yeah, it's not just more time. It's about quality. So to me, do a little bit of cardio if you want, but to me, I'm going to spend less time doing cardio and more fitness-related stuff. All right, so gym. opposite question. I guess today is the opposite. So somebody doing a ton of strength training, we see those folks, and I think there's more of them now than, you know, I was young in the 80s, but 80s was cardio probably decade, and I would say right now we're in this like weird decade of a lot of strength training, but if someone's just purely doing strength training, they get to the gym, and I've seen this, chugging a pre-workout energy drink, right cold from the car, do a couple like of these loops with their shoulders, and they go in the strength, no cardio, 
What would you tell that person why they would maybe have to add cardio to your strength training? Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be the cardio in traditional ways, but you need to have a time to transition from sedentary to active. So we need to warm up, whether it's the dynamic warm up that we teach, the foundations. But I'm never, ever going to go into the gym. And we did this when we were in Colorado. You don't take a five-pound weight and do it circles no, with your we arm. are going to get the body all lubed up. So we're going to warm up the engine. So again, you're not going to drive the car 9,000 miles an hour right off on a minus 10 degree temp. You know, this is not good for the engine. No different than us. So to me, I'm going to get really specific, loosen up my hips, loosen up my back, loosen up my shoulders. And then gen- generally, I'm going to slowly transition in the strength training. I'm not going to jump into my maximal load. I'm going to slowly. So now it's a little bit more fun in the system. And now as you do that, less injuries, greater performance. And you start enjoying it more. And the same thing coming out of it, you'll cool down. I never leave without cooling down. So I'm always going to either... How about 40 years ago? Oh, God. No what was more. the last set? What did the last set look like between that and going to the car and leaving? We would do nothing. Like what? We would come in. You're going to do 365 and then see it? We'd come in and we'd warm up squatting. That's how we would warm up if we're squatting. If we came in and did bench press today, we're going to warm up by the bench press being a little lighter and slowly... But it wouldn't wouldn't take long. An hour of bench press. Wow, that'd be fun to see. <laughs> okay, um, what does strength training do for the brain? You talk about the mind and movement, but like whether it's the nervous system or the brain, what what's what can strength training really do for this important thing that we call the brain? Well, I think in our world today, everything's you know here comes the squirrel or the shiny penny or whatever going by. I'm like, wait a minute. If you're really engaged with the nervous system and how the body feels, there's not a lot of time for an energy for things to come through your brain. And so to me, it's one of the greatest ways to wash the brain. I call it washing the brain and washing the mind, whatever you want to call it. But when I get into the gym, to me, it's my oasis. It's my stress reducer. It's all these wonderful things, whatever people want to call it. But it's like a playground. So when I get in strength training, I'm feeling the muscles. I'm feeling the movement. I'm not thinking about what I got to do later in the day. That ain't going to happen. That's the biggest challenge I have with clients is to get them to get in their mind and the body, get it all connected. And when they really, truly do that, then, then they have the magic of how it washes the brain. And that just takes time. But So to me, that's the missing link sometimes. It's boring. I got to worry about everything else. We haven't learned yet how to get your mind and the nervous system start working. That to, takes time. And to find something that you can flow with and you like and you enjoy. You enjoy, correct. <clears throat> when people think strength training, I think the first thing they think about is muscle, the muscular system. But the muscular skeletal system is really the full package here. So, again, you talked about a little bit with a squat. The skeletal system is really important. Why do we miss that in this equation of strength training? So it's about how big my muscles get versus what's my skeletal system well, look like? Look Joints, whole, cartilage. Yeah, look at the whole package. Bone density, there's nothing better for bone density. Connective tissue, again, back to mobility balance. That's why we talk about range, the nervous system, all that. So when you go through a movement, you're teaching the nervous system, you know, wow, that's what's possible. And so the nervous system adapts. And then you go into other things like, we don't talk enough about this, but when you look at TV and at night, everything's about hormones. You know, men and this, women this, whatever. One of the strength training is one of the most powerful ways to balance your hormones because you're putting ad- adaptation to your building or sex hormones. So talk uh, again. Skeletal system was a question, but that was my next question. Since you're on it, 
how important is strength training to your hormones? That's why this conversation is called the fountain of youth. So, and I've had this with so many men and women, when they start bringing strength training into the fold, their hormones start to get more and more in balance. I can't say this enough. And so, and it's not about raising or lowering, it's balancing them out. Why does that happen? Because now your body is going to work. So, for example, when you start doing strength training, you have to, you're putting some type of adaptation to the body, and the body's going to, how do I build and repair? Well, I do it through sleep and obviously better nutrition and all these different things. But strength training causes that, that load, that adaptation. And so if I'm looking at a bone, which is live, bones are live, why do I want to take calcium supplements when I'm not putting any load on the, that's the absorb. So that's, here comes the bone. The bone gets better. The muscles get better. My testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, these start to all balance out because now I'm putting more load in there and the body's going to start producing what it needs to produce. And so as we age, one of the greatest things you can do as we age is making sure your testosterone level is higher in balance, right? So the goal is how do we do that? Well, we do it through sleep and and a big part of that strength training. And so, so obviously load's one way to boost testosterone. So if I lift more weights, I'm going to create more testosterone, but what you're saying is it's not all about the load. No. You can you can strength why, train in different ways yeah, so to that's create why, the same outcome. Yeah, so that's why each month, again, this doesn't want to be too deep here, but when I'm working with a client, we're really trying to improve their testosterone level for both men and women. I'm going to do a three-day split for them, and I'm going to change. I'm going to change the variations. So we might do, let's say, three sets of 13 reps, and then the next month, we do, might do four sets of eight reps. So obviously, changing your load, changing this and that, the body's going to adapt versus doing three sets of 10 reps. Or three sets of 30. 30. <laughs> right? So, so that's now you're going, hmm, I never thought of it that way. No, it's not only a way to boost your hormones, but it's also a way to keep you injury-free. Okay, so then the flip side of that, again, back to the opposites that we're asking. So strength training can be a balancing effect for your hormones, Overtraining, what can that do to your hormones? Again, it causes the opposite effect. So again, I why because there's not enough recovery. Not enough recovery. I'm going to injury. I'm going to failure. Blah blah blah. And you hate it, right? So if you hate it, your stress hormones are on. If my stress hormones are on, my building hormones are off. So now, this is what I have with I would say more men than women. But I'm like, you're redlining. What are you doing? Why are we doing to failure? Oh, it says in my, you know, my my watch that I have to work out at this intensity. Wait a minute, that's a training wheel. You hate it. Next thing you know, your stress levels are so high, you can't sleep at night. Your resting heart rate's going up. So when I started overtraining for a contest, I always knew once I started struggling with my sleep, I was overtraining, or my resting heart rate started going up. So if, my, if I'm overdoing it, my stress hormones are beyond, and your building and your sex hormones start to turn off. So, okay, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, there's many ways we can go in the strength training. A lot of junk out there. What do you want to tell the average listener, maybe that doesn't strength train, or someone that is always dabbling in it? You know, they run through the typical circuit what do you want them to know? Let's start with the average person that doesn't strength train or doesn't strength train like they know they could. Well, hopefully you're listening to this and you're saying, okay, whether I'm doing it or not, or maybe I'm dabbling in it, 
understand the importance of it. So as you age, it's, it is the fountain of youth. And I tell every person, you don't even need any equipment. Zero equipment. There's no price for entry. But the bottom line is you have to just start. You have to just start. And it could be as simple as doing a body weight squat. And it could be a small movement. Or it could be maybe a standing row. Or maybe you're doing some dumbbell curls with one-pound dumbbells with perfect form working on your posture. But if you just start, that's 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 uh, all my clients. It's like I had a guy in here not too long ago. And, you know, he just never strength trained before. And I'm like, let's just start from the beginning. And, and, he's, just, and just to remind the listeners... Most people have never strength training. Yeah, strength so, train. so this guy comes in and he wants to get in better shape and this and that. So, and he's and he's starting to walk and whatever. But I said, let's just do. We're going to do four basic strength training exercises today. And I wa- He walked out of here and he goes, "You know what? You created a ton of hope for me. That I can do this. I go, you not only do it, you did it great. So to me, I always want my clients to feel like they're." Number one, that they have the hope that they can do it. And number two, that they're successful. I think sometimes we, we don't, we want, I want you to be so stinking successful. I mean, you're an amazing golfer. If you go out there and you teach me 20 things, I'm probably going to be terrible at all 20 things. But if you go out and teach me one thing and you really perfect it, now I have something to build on it. So that's where I, I start with people at the beginning. Let's start one few things here. Let's get really good at them. And then we can add the buffet. The other person that's working out, Step back for a second and say, have that self-awareness. What am I currently doing? Why am I doing it? Do I like it, not like it? What, what do I need to improve upon? Is it my technique? Is it my progressions? Is it my the, recovery? The, the recovery? What is it that I could improve upon? So when I get somebody that's pretty skilled that we take them in the gym, here comes all these things, and they're like, I never thought of that, never thought of that, never thought of that. So now you now it's not just running them through a workout, it's teaching them how to do it so they have it forever. And so I think that's the missing link out there. And that's why we have Workout Wednesdays. We're trying to have different ways to help you learn how to improve mobility at your ankle or learn why we don't teach a a barbell bench press. Not saying you can't do it, but day in and day out, these are the things that are going to probably not going to be the best benefit of your time in the goals you're looking for. So again, it's it's about progressions. It's about where everyone's at. But what we're seeing, we're seeing a couple of things. I think equally, bad training, and not to, you know, um, discourage anyone trying to make a living. But there's bad training, and you were part of this kind of hope and solution. But the trainers aren't bad because it's just they're not trying, and they're bad because there's no formal way to teach them. So you, you have a graduate degree, master's degree in exercise um, physiology. You got all the science. But when did you ever learn the art? You had to make mistakes, right? Yeah, you had to be, spend time in the gym. And so a big part of that, when we had the Michigan Athletic Club and we had an amazing group of trainers, we would learn from each other. And then over time, we started learning like, okay, we need to take this, this education and put it into a training program and so every new trainer came in, we would run them through everything, posture alignment, assessment, uh, what are they eating, what are they sleeping, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't being taught. You can go to these certifications, and they all have, they all have benefits, but the whole package wasn't there. <coughs> and so that's really where I started learning more, and I surround myself today with an amazing, whether it's Gabe or Walt or 
You know, uh, we you know we just had Jill Marlin on last week. Yeah, physical therapists, physical chiropractors, chiropractors, doctors, doctors, surgeons. You surround yourself yeah. and and be curious about that. But the bottom line, a lot of it has to do with the art. You know, you have to get, spend time in this. And so people ask me sometimes, like, how did you learn that? Well, you kind of just experiment. How do you hit a cut shot playing Pro- golf? Probably because I failed at doing hooking it too much yeah, yeah so so a big part for me is like i know you, you learned you learned yeah, how to do a better leg movement correct by repeating a leg movement that everyone's been taught that didn't feel great at some point and so you ask the question one when you teach a new person to squat it's a disaster i've tr- you know it's a disaster brand new person doing a barbell squat is a disaster number two you can't sustain it into your 60s 70s and in your profession and what you are passionate about doing you want to feel good and look good so when i teach a counterbalance squat whether you're holding on to something or you got a, something out in front of you to it's incredible everybody gets it right they get it right so they get it right because they're taking load off and now they work on a range and they're like that doesn't hurt my back that doesn't hurt my hips that doesn't hurt my knees of course they're not supposed to so if you're learning how to do a scapular retraction and you're going to learn how to do, let's just say, a bicep curl or a, some type of dumbbell chest movement or a fly, whatever it is, wow, that doesn't hurt my shoulders anymore. It's not supposed to. It doesn't hurt my neck. Okay, So I've been doing a lat pull down and I'm engaging my traps. That's no good. So if they learn how to get the scapula to come down and in, now the lats are working correctly and the body's in alignment. Like, wow, that feels good. So now when you create this feel good for people, they want more of that feel good. And I think that's the part of the strength training that's missing out there, that it's not always about crushing somebody or you know, you know, how much load they're doing. It's learning the magic of it and how it can make the human body you know, soar. All right, one, one last thought, and we'll, and we'll wrap this up. I think we can do a part two because it's such an important topic. But um, you, know, you love strength training. Some people don't. But what's, what's the takeaway today for the person that trains every day and the person that is kind of thinking, I'm listening to this podcast or I've, I've been thinking I need a strength train. What do you want both of them to take away from this 45 minutes we spent together? So the first one, again, I, I, the hardest part of movement is just getting started. So the big thing I want people to understand is you don't have to climb Mount Everest if you're not starting, you know, you're not doing this. But you have to understand the power of it. I mean, we have, I mean, that's why we always talk about you have the power to feel your best. When people start learning how to strength train in small doses, they start feeling better. Everything gets better. Their sleep gets better. Their metabolism gets better. The bone gets better. Blood work gets better. Everything gets better. But what they do is they feel like they have to do too much. So maybe you get some instruction with a really high-quality trainer. Understanding, maybe you're going to do a couple simple movements to start with. You don't have to do a lot. And then the, the other piece is, if you're already strength training, really kind of step back for a second and do you enjoy what you're doing? Do you like the results you're getting? You know, with that self-awareness piece. And once that, maybe you're a little more curious about that, um, then you start reaching out and learning more and more about that because it is a skill that you could have the rest of your life. And I think more and more people, especially a lot of athletes, they really don't know what they're doing. They're just they're, they're following the program. They're, they're following the plan. Mm-hmm. It's like following a diet. Following the, the class, following, following the, the class, trainer. doing yeah. whatever. But they, there's nothing behind the curtain. And so that's really what we try to teach more. I'm going to tell you why you're doing it, how to do it. 
How to listen to the body. How to listen to the body. Because again, if we're not listening to the body, I'll just keep doing the same squat. Now my knee, I can't walk. And you know, you can see how it starts to roll. All right. As we uh, kind of finish up here, I think the takeaway is number one, um, there's many different forms of working out and there's balance and flexibility and cardio and strength training. But I think one of the, a lot of people know they got to move their body, but once they start doing it in a structured way, the last thing to usually come to the table is strength training. It's scary. It's intimidating. Don't know what to do. I heard this, heard that. But coming out of this podcast is valuing strength training on the whole scale, the whole spectrum. If you're not doing any of it, understand this could be a secret sauce to the outcome you're looking for. If you are doing this, really stepping back and saying, huh, I never thought about resistance as the third R. You know, maybe changing that priority. You know, that's a simple but very, you know, interesting way to think about it. If it's the only thing you care about, and what we're telling you today is it should be number three on the list, I think there's some room for improvement. So as we wrap up, strength training is a fountain of youth. Maybe go hit the gym. Let us know if we can help, and we'll see you next time.